Hello, and I... <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when it used to be really hard to do the intros? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe, and with me, as always, is Mitch. Hey, beautiful people. Dusty, I thought you were calling me beautiful then, and I Everyone. kind of felt special, but oh, you just mean people. The, you mean the listener. Anyway, we are back for another episode, and it's 105, and for some reason I'm talking in my Triple M voice. Melbourne reference. Mm, Triple M's national. Yeah, but it's not 105 nationally, oh, is it? okay. I don't know. About, I think. I'm not national, so I don't know. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, we're back. It's been about a month since the last time we recorded one of these proper ones. We did have our little mini that mm. got a bit of a buzz when we were talking about that comic history of professional wrestling. It was nice that the actual author of the book retweeted our tweet, mm. and I think we may have picked up a few extra listeners based on that. So Hopefully. They'll thank come you back. very much. Yes. Mm. So, yes, if you have come to this episode after hearing us talk about that comic. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is what we normally sound like, where we just ramble about what we've been doing over the last... So let's start, months. shall we? We shall. All right, what are we talking about? Well, as usual, we normally start with gaming. All right, were you gamed? I have done a little bit of gaming, and I have done some purchasing. So I will talk about the stuff I've been playing first. So I've talked a little bit about Game Pass, and over the last few months, they had a deal where you could upgrade to Game Pass Ultimate. And for an extra dollar up front for the first month, they then converted anything that you had in Game Pass or Xbox Gold, and they've given you Ultimate Game Pass to kind of balance out what you had. So for a dollar, I've now got Ultimate Game Pass until the end of May next year. Uh-huh. And, and as part of mean? Ultimate Game Pass, you get all the it's games on the, Xbox, on, the, on the Xbox, yes, and on the PC, because that's what you get. You get the Game Pass for... Xbox, which is their library of games you can download and play as much as you like while you're a member of Game Pass. You get a gold subscription, which means you got the free games that they release every month for the games for gold, and you can play online with other people because you need that for gold. I think a couple of the apps that they have you need gold for, Mm -hmm. but I'm not 100% sure of that. And you also get Game Pass PC that lets you play some Windows 10 games on your PC. Okay. I've gone through the library of the stuff they've got on Windows 10, but there's nothing that's really jumped out at me yet. But it, does, it doesn't mean that I won't mm-hmm. do it. But one of the other really big bonuses for me is as part of Game Pass Ultimate, I got to download Gears of War 5 on release day. For free. For free. Yeah. For a dollar a month or a dollar up front for the first month, I should say. Yes. So I now have I now have Gears of Gears of War five sitting on my hard drive ready to play because it released on the 9th of September. Unfortunately, I haven't had time to actually play that yet, but it is ready and waiting for so it's me. It's launched. Yeah. I haven't seen any reference to this. I'm I'm seeing ads for Borderlands everywhere. Yeah. I've seen nothing for Gears, which is weird. They had some big event here in Melbourne that was a, a launch event. And as part of that, there was a competition on Facebook where they were giving someone a chance to win a Gears of War tattoo, which I entered but didn't win, unfortunately. But okay. it would be kind of nice to have a Crimson Omen tattoo. Well, you can get one. I could go you and get one anyway. I just have to pay for it. Exactly. But yeah, uh, it has released. It has been pretty quiet. As you said, there hasn't been a lot of fanfare about it. Because this was the launch title for the three. No. Oh, no, it wasn't. It, it was Gears 1 for was pretty Xbox big. For Xbox One, we bought the Gears Yeah, well, definitely edition. for Xbox One, we bought the Gears edition, which is almost two years ago now. Yeah, and that was a big deal. 
And we still haven't finished Gears 4, so maybe we should finish it and then I can start Gears 5. But anyway. But yeah, speaking of other big releases, by the time this episode drops, we would probably both have Borderlands 3. Correct. I was not sure if I wanted to pre-order it. I then thought I should pre-order it through Xbox directly. And then I realized that it was $99 for the standard edition if I pre-ordered. But I actually found it online at JB Hi-Fi for $68. So I've pre-ordered it from JB. And they assure me that I should get it in the mail on release day. Okay. So I'll believe that when it happens because it's actually Friday. Should I do that? Well, I don't know. You've still got a couple of days to pre-order. I was tossing up whether the fact that I needed to pre-order because a lot of the stuff that were pre-ordered. Well, I don't need is, anything that comes with it. Well, no. There's a couple of in-game things. Which would um, be redundant. Well, quickly, I would have thought. gold guns and like some extra like loot endowment that helps your XP. Similar to what we had on Borderlands 2, I think. Okay. Well, I definitely I have it on Borderlands 2. I'm not sure if you do. No. And the other thing, if you buy a physical copy pre-order, you get a wearable bandit mask. So obviously yeah. I'm going to be walking around the streets with some... That's what I'm tempted by. ...stupid fucking plastic bandit like mask. stupid gimmicks. Exactly. Because you, you, you have a room full of gimmicks and why wouldn't you want some extra Exactly. Gimmick? Yeah. So we'll more about that in next yeah, episode so because that, we that's should our, hopefully have bought it and started playing that's our gaming purchase, I guess. But mm. the only game I've really been playing, I've been playing a little bit of another game that I picked up through Game Pass. That's Bridge Construction Portal. Mm-hmm. And it's a combination of two games, really. Bridge Construction, which is a physics construction game where you have to build bridges and get a car to go from one side of the screen to another across that bridge and over some obstacles. Mm-hmm. And they've amalgamated that with Portal, which is that very popular game from quite a few years back now where you solve puzzles by having an entry point and an exit point portal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 2D. You're in a little testing facility where you have crash test dummies in like a golf cart and you have to get them from one point on the screen to another using bridges and portals. And it starts off fairly easy. So I was playing it with my eight-year-old and he was really enjoying it. And then after about level 15, I think it probably was, the learning curve got really hard really quickly because it's not just a matter of putting a bridge here and putting a bridge there. It's a lot of physics where you then have certain, you have to drive your car over a certain trigger point so it shoots a ball out of a cannon, which then hits a switch to do something. And it is, yeah, it's it's very... Well, that's portal. Yeah. It's very timing-based. It's very much you have to get your angles spot on. And it got a bit hard for for Angus, but I still played it for a little bit more. It's addictive as fuck. Like one night the wife went to bed and I was like, all right, I'll just have a quick game of this before I go to bed. And it was probably two in the morning when I realized I should be giving up and going to bed because it was a school night. But yeah, it's fun and it's challenging, but it's not so challenging that it makes you quit, which is good. Cool. And for for a little freebie, I'm really getting a lot out of it, really. Excellent. Well, I haven't been gaming at all. Just haven't had the time? Not making the time. Mm. I don't know what else I'm doing. I'm just not sort of waiting for Borderlands, I think. Yeah. As you said, there has been a lot of hype for Borderlands, and I'm really hoping that it lives up to the hype. So more more about that next episode, probably. All right. What about television? Yes. Well, I've been watching a few things. I've started a few things and haven't really got too far into them, so I won't talk about too many of those until I've got a proper opinion. Something I will mention that I've only watched half of so far, and that's the season three of Glow. Yeah. And How could you only get halfway? Well, it's again, it's finding the time, and it's also finding the time when I don't have the kids around, because... Yes. Unlike previous glows where it's kind of skated the line, is it safe for the kids, is it not safe for the kids? There's a couple of episodes that I've seen so far in season three that are really not safe for the kids with full frontal male nudity and lots of swearing. 
Yep. And very adult concepts. Yep. But so far, I'm digging it. Loved it. There, Loved this season. So you've watched all of it? Yeah. Two sessions. Oh, see, I wish I could have done that, mm. but I just haven't been able to. Yeah. I don't know. It's just an easy watch. Like, it was, it's like a, not an easy show. Like, it says yes, a lot. It's pretty deep. It was just, you just sort of wanted to keep going. Just like, give me more, give me more. So, no, I really dug it. Really good. There is probably less wrestling this year. Oh, so you haven't seen the last episode yet? No. I've tried to avoid spoilers. I okay, know there are a couple of podcasts yes, have mentioned it, and I fast-forwarded through those sections. There is a, there's a link to us in the last episode. Oh, cool. More, right. more, more will be when, when you finally see it. Nice. Yes. All right. Well, another thing I've been watching, and initially I started watching it on Netflix, and now I've been watching it a bit after that on SBS On Demand, is a little cooking show called The Chef's Line, which is hosted by Mark Olive, who is one of the hosts. There's like three hosts. Mark Olive, who is an Indigenous chef here in Australia, quite well known. You give him the look. Obviously, he's not well known, but if you know who he is, you know who he is. Uh, There's another guy who's... Um, managed a couple of quite famous Chinese restaurants in Sydney and another girl who is a food writer from Adelaide, I think she is. And the concept is they get a restaurant in each week and it's a different cuisine and they have their apprentice chef, their line chef, their sous chef and their head chef and there's four contestants who are just general public that think they're good at cooking that sort of style of food and every night they sort of whittle down until the last civilian standing gets to cook off against the head chef of a fairly famous restaurant. Okay. And yeah, as I said, they do different cuisines. So they've had like an Indian restaurant, a French restaurant, an Italian restaurant sort of thing. And unlike some of the other competitive cooking shows, because it's come from SBS, it's a little bit more warm and fuzzy. Okay. So it's not like My Kitchen Rules where they all hate each other. All the contestants are all quite helpful to each other and they're all kind of like, yeah, let's see who can win, not I'm going to beat you. It's mm. like, let's all... Well, MasterChef's pretty good that way. Well, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of MasterChef, but the episodes I've seen, they've all been... Pretty cunty to each other. <laughs> Never seen anyone be cunty. Okay. Not a well, and what I do like about this as well. Just one of the hosts is cunty to his staff. But well, yeah. yeah. What I do like about it though is Ex-hosts. on most of the episodes that we've watched, the restaurant chefs are kind of quite helpful to the home cooks. They're giving them a bit of tips and stuff. So that's nice. There was one episode where it was an African restaurant and the head chef was a South African. He was just very arrogant. And I I don't know if that's just South Africans in general. I don't want to generalise, but he just wasn't very nice. And there's actually one of the other episodes, there was an Italian chef that was a bit sexist and the home chef that went up against him was a female and she won. And it was kind of like, well, stick that up here kind of attitude but yeah there was one season that's been on netflix and then when i was doing a bit of investigation to find out what channel it was actually from because obviously it's an australian show and i didn't know what network it was on here i found out it was on sbs and there is currently another season yeah there's currently another season on so i went on sbs on demand and watched a few episodes from season two as well cool i may as well continue while i'm talking about my stuff there is one other food-related program I've been watching on Netflix, and that is something called Million Pound Restaurant. And unlike most cooking shows, this is more of a business-type show where aspiring restaurateurs are kind of vying for a backer to give them money to actually turn their dreams into reality. So far, it's been a couple of people that have been running food trucks, and they're trying to take it to the next stage to become like a bricks-and-mortar restaurant. And they Fully have involved hipster. 
Yeah. So they, they kind of do these pop-up restaurants over a couple of days and then they, they do what they call a soft launch where they have the public come and see and then they have the potential backers come and have a meal there and see what they think. And then they do this bit at the, on day three where they sit around and watch the clock for an hour to decide if the backers going to actually back them. And it is quite contrived because it has that real reality TV feel that you, you probably know that they're not going to get backed and they're drawing it out as long as possible to see whether they are going to get the money or not. But some of the stuff they've been doing is quite good. It's very English, obviously, because it's a million pound restaurant. But one of the restaurants was like a, a pop-up market stall that did fancy bubble and squeak. Mm-hmm. So if you know what bubble and squeak is. Mashed potatoes. Yeah, it's pretty much leftover potatoes and cabbage and stuff formed into a patty that normally you have at breakfast. And it's real sort of peasant food almost from post-war sort of era. era. And these people are turning bubble and squeak to a high-end fancy restaurant with, with smoked cheese. salmon. Oh, and, yeah, so maybe, I don't know. But it's interesting because some people obviously are really good cooks, but they have absolutely no business knowledge. And other people have a lot of business knowledge, but they don't have what it takes to be a good restaurateur. So it's it's interesting. And the host is a French chef. And I can't remember what his name is, Fred something or other. But he just reminds me of a magpie because he has like a bit of a big nose. And when he talks, he kind of like leads in towards the camera as if he's pecking the camera. And every time they have close-ups, they're like, oh, the magpie's back. But. So yes, that's Million Pound Restaurant on oh, I watched Netflix. a food show last night. Not something I regularly watch, but it was one of Gordon Ramsay's 24-hour one. Yeah. Goes around with a truck and yeah. fixes a restaurant in 24 hours or something. So I love violent, angry Gordon, but he's never wrong. Like this show, is he's never going to get caught out. No. It's his show. Because this woman who was the chef in this restaurant, she walked out at the start as soon as I know what this show's like. I know what you're like. You're going to come here and you're going to do this. Screw it. I'm not doing it. And he got her back. You know, she was in the car crying and he talked to her and he got her back and they hugged it out and all this sort of shit. It's just so contrived. It's all the shows are the same. I love it when they fight. I, I love it when the owners are defiant. And they yeah. go, no, screw you. I know better. And they'll stick with it all the way. But most of them are sort of like, no, you've helped me, Gordon. I didn't know what I was doing, but thank you. You've helped me. It's like bullshit. Yeah. Is this the English one or the American one? It's American. Yeah, because I, I remember the the original English series of Gordon's Kitchen Nightmares yeah. or whatever was pretty good. And then when he went to America, it was kind of like, well, do people really know who Gordon Ramsay is in America? No, oh, I think so. Now. Yeah, maybe. But he even starts up in costume. It's like um that undercover boss thing yeah. where he's dressed up as Mrs. Doubtfire once. He was like a lady, old lady, because <laughs> they showed that at the start, like the the concept of the show, which is just like all the other shows, but apparently he's got 24 hours. It's a little bit different, hmm. but it doesn't really give him a chance. Like he comes in and goes, you're all shit. Now they went through and had a look at all the food and they actually go in there and they'll have secret cameras and stuff that go in early and they'll see what they do and how. And then they went through and had a look at all the food and it was rotten and gross yeah. and everything. And he comes in and he comes back and he's totally re- rejigged it. So they come in and say, they've rejigged the restaurant. They've painted it. They've totally changed in 24 hours. Bullshit. Probably. But they totally changed the decor and everything. And they all come in, they're all amazed. Oh, it looks amazing. And as my wife was saying last night, I guess, look better before. But it was new, which is nice. They've got new tools, new cooking, bullshit, whatever. And he goes, Oh, and this is your this is your menu now. It's like it's just changed everything. So they've got no input in it whatsoever. Hmm. But he ha- she had to make a signature dish that was fine. So she's got a little bit of input there. But it was just like Mediterranean bullshit. And I was just like 
because they were Greek, but it was like an Italian restaurant, so it was sort of between the two. Okay. But I was just, I don't know, I, I, I do love my car crash TV, and it is that. Yeah. And Gordon Ramsay is captivating to watch, I'll give him that. But yeah, I'd much rather when they're sort of working together, because it's the confrontation thing, because the owner had an issue. He goes, I don't like people, you know, six foot four Englishmen yelling me in the face. I, I don't like it. And he goes, but you don't mind talking to all the women around that way. So obviously he's got a bit of an issue. Yeah. But yeah, um, didn't like being told, but he owed his mum like 250 grand because his dad died. Never since then, you know, with the business, it's not been as good. It's like his dad died eight years ago. Okay. It's like, yeah, time to sort of move on, do something mm. with the business. Anyway. So that, that's my cooking stuff. But TV for me, I have, oh, well, I watch Glow. And I talked about it all together now last episode. You did, The yeah. Australian 1990s, early 90s sitcom that is on Amazon Prime. I'm sort of, I was binging it a lot. I'm watching a lot of episodes in a row and I'm realising I'm running out of episodes. So I'm sort of slowing that down a bit. So I should be able to time it that I watch the last episode all together now and then start playing Borderlands. So that's my plan. Okay. But I've been watching a bit of that. Watched the first episode of Dark Crystal. Now, I'm not a Dark Crystal cunt, so I don't really – I didn't like it. I think it was because I was scared by it, to be honest. I, I never liked it when I was a kid when I saw it. Yeah. I think I saw it on video, so I didn't see the pictures, and it just never resonated with me. I think it was scary. It was uh, a little bit scary. There was one scene in particular that made me jump when I was a kid, and I still remember that. when they suck the life out of the person, don't well, they? Well, that's kind of scary, but there's a bit where the little fuzzy dog thing jumps out of the hollow log. Mm. Yeah. It's not that. I think it was the life sucking. I remember the eyes going all wide yeah. or something. Yep. Yeah. Mm. But it just wasn't nice. It just, I didn't care. I don't know. So I didn't care. My, my wife does. So I put it on for her last week. It was like, oh, this just dropped on Netflix. Do you want to watch it? So I was playing on my iPad while it was on. And I watched sort of the first episode. And I was sort of intrigued by the world building that was on and everything. But I haven't gone back. Like if, if she wants to go back and watch it, great. But I don't yep. care. I didn't care to start with, so I still don't care. But I'm intrigued. But yeah. We're kind of in the same boat, kind of, in my house, where my wife really loves it. I like it a lot, but I don't love it as much as she does. But as a kid, yeah, I, I saw it at the cinema. I can remember going to an exhibition sort of in Wollongong, which was like a couple of hours up the road from where I lived in coastal New South Wales, where they had a couple of the puppets and you could actually go and see these real puppets that were for, from Dark Crystal. And I can remember that being a really big deal for me when I was young. I've probably seen it 50 times since oh, wow. then. It's one of those things that I kind of watch every like couple of years. I think you like more than a lot then. Oh, probably. that many times. Yeah. And Maybe. you haven't jumped in on this. Well, we tried to watch the first episode and I don't think I was in the right frame of mind when I tried to watch it. And both my wife and I were kind of put off with the CGI-ness of it. So it, I think it is still puppets, but I think they've kind of done effects over it's the top puppets, yeah. to make it a bit smoother. Mm. And some of the voices for us I don't think quite gelled. Some of them are really spot on, but we probably only got about two-thirds of the way through the first episode and then we, we were both like, well, I don't think I'm in the mood for this tonight. And that will probably taint our opinion of it. So maybe we should stop and come back to it when we're more in the mood. So probably by the next time we record, I would have watched some more of it and I can give you more of a a proper review of what I think of it. Fair enough. Actually, the other thing that I didn't quite understand was that it was a prequel because the first half an hour is almost like a reenactment of the first bit of the movie. And that sort of threw me a little bit too. But I'm willing to give it another go and hopefully we'll enjoy it. 
Fair enough. Hmm. Yes, and the other thing I started watching using my... I'm actually enjoying Amazon Prime a lot more than my Netflix at the moment. Okay. Mind you, Glow is on Netflix. <laughs> yes. yes. And there's a show called Nosferatu on Amazon Prime, and it's spelled N-O-S, the number four. And depending where you look, it's either an A or an R, and the number two, Nosferatu. Okay. So it's about robots? No. Ah. I'm five episodes in. I think there's ten episodes in the season. It's got um, Sila from Heroes in it. What's his name? Zachary Quinto. Zachary, I was about to say Quinton Zachary, but no, it's Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto. He drives around in a Rolls-Royce Wraith with a number plate, Nosferatu, and he collects children. And he sort of gets younger as they seem to get withered in the back of his car and sort of turn into vampires or something. I don't know. Yeah, so it's written by Joe Hill, based on a book written by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Oh, yeah. He wrote Lock and Key as well, didn't he? Correct. Yeah. Yes. So I'm watching this series, and I've not read. I've heard he's quite a good writer, Joe Hill. I've read his comics, and I can say that's good, but I don't know. But he's written novels as well. And I messaged a mate of mine who's a big Stephen King fan. I said, you read much Joe Hill? Is he good? Like, I mean, obviously his dad's very famous, and he's got to pick up something along the way, but is he good? And he goes, yeah, he goes, I've read some stuff, and he has read Nosferatu as one of the things. So it's like, because does he write like his dad? Because this feels like if this you told me this was a Stephen King book, I would have believed you. Like it feels Stephen King. Now, obviously, it's a TV show, so you got a director and a showrunner and everything involved. So they're going to put their stamp on it, and it just looks like it could be in Derry. Okay. You know, it could be Maine somewhere. Watch Castle Rock last year, and I love that. And this felt like this could totally fit in the Castle Rock universe. It just things were just very similar. You got someone with powers and the. The town's all got its secrets. It's just, it felt very Stephen King. And I said that to my mate. And he goes, yeah, apparently it's pretty good, but they, they, this is probably the most King book that he's written. It's okay. very much like that. And it might even be set in the same universe. So if that yeah. is, that's cool. That's you nice. Know? So it's like, ah, that would make a lot more sense if it is sort of meant to be in that same thing. <coughs> but yeah, my wife's watching it with me and she loves the concepts of these sort of shows, but she doesn't like creepy like she really gets uncomfortable watching creepy, and she goes, "I mean, I'm sucked into the story, but it's it's creepy. I don't like that." But yeah, so you got this girl who has an ability. She finds out, and she's I forget. It's like it's a way in or the the way out or whatever. And she's found this bridge. This you know the old covered bridges, like the bridges of Madison County sort of bridge. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. And she rides her motorbike through it, but it's not there. That was torn down eighteen years ago. But it takes her where she needs to go. So she goes through the bridge and it turns up somewhere else. And you've got this old traveller who's this senile old woman in an in a old folks' home. And she had roller skates. So apparently she that was her mode of transport to get her through. She found her shorter way to somewhere. And that was all these weird abilities. Very Stephen King in that someone's got a, the quickening or, yeah. or the shining. The shine, yep. yeah. So um, so she's got that. So she's just sort of discovering this and it's taking her where she needs to go. You've got this Zachary Quinto character who's stealing children, taking them to Christmas land. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this other girl who's a medium who gets – she's got like – the first time you see her, she's sort of walking down the street and she's all sort of gothy, punky sort of thing. And she's kind of cool. And she's got like a Scrabble tiles as earrings, like an F in one ear and a U in the other. It's like, that's cool. Um, but her power is she's a medium, but she's got a bag of um, Scrabble pieces, tiles. Yep. But she puts a hand in and her hand goes all the way in like a Dungeon Dragons, you know, bag of holding kind of thing. Yeah. And she pulls out and she always pulls out the right amount of tiles and she has to decipher the words to make 
the clue. Like that's that's giving her the hint, but she's got to figure it out. Kind so of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with their forty two. Oh, wasn't, wasn't that a Scrabble bag at the end of that? Was it? I think so. I don't think so. Well, in, maybe in the TV show it was. I don't know about the book. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of like oh, so I'm four or five episodes in, and I'm really digging. It. It's like oh, let's go, let's go. And problem is, we've got to get up for work, so you've got to go to bed at some point. You can't yep. just stay up and keep watching. But yeah, I'm um, really digging that. So that's about it for TV for me. Okay. Well, there is a couple of things that I've watched a little bit of and then there's a couple of things we've watched together that kind of fall into the tv category so we've talked before about hip-hop evolution yes the third season of that just dropped last weekend on Is it a fat drop i think it was a big big fat drop yeah. yeah but that's also on netflix i've watched episode one and two of this latest season and they previously had covered one episode they talked about biggie smalls and another episode they talked about tupac the first episode of this new season is about the war between the East Coast, West Coast and revolves around Tupac getting shot. Okay. And then the second episode is about Biggie trying to smooth things over and going to California and getting shot himself. Where? In California. California. Yes. That was Tupac that sang that though. <laughs> but they also cover a little bit about how Biggie's death turned... Sean Puffy Coombs, Puff Daddy, Piff Daddy, whatever he wants to call himself, P. Diddy. How he went from being just a producer to being a rapper and how he kind of shaped the rap industry to be less gangster and more sort of club rap mm. with the shiny suits and more melodic rather than the, the big noting themselves. I don't know if that was necessarily a good thing for rap or not. Musically? Yeah, I don't know. It's getting but, into an era of um, hip-hop that I don't like. Well, well, I don't care for, but maybe this docker will turn me around because I didn't think much of, uh, who was it? Digital Underground, was it? or was Who it? did the Humpty Dance? No, Digital Underground did the yeah. Humpty Dance, yeah. Yeah, them and De La Soul. Yep. I absolutely adored that episode. Yeah, it was and a good it episode. made me appreciate them so much more. So mm. that's what I'm loving about this show. It's <laughs> opening my eyes and ears up to something new. Mm. Well, something that's my that, hot take because I'm Anthony uh, Mitchell. Sorry, something they did mention in the second episode that I wasn't aware of was when Puff Daddy did the I'll Be Missing You song that samples the police. Mm. That is probably his most famous song. That was the first hip-hop song to debut at number one on the Billboard charts in America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. So there's four episodes in this new season. One of the blurbs, they do mention Eminem, so I don't know if ICP will get a mention, but we can... Hold our breaths. Hopefully. Yeah. But the other thing I've been watching a hell of a lot of, also on Netflix, because apparently that's all I watch these days, is they decided to release Glee Ah, on Netflix. Problematic. And I have now gone back and watched all of the first three seasons of Glee. And it's quite interesting going back and watching them, how much they kind of got away with. And even though it's only 2009 when that first season came out, just looking at it now going, well, you wouldn't really see that on television anymore. Wow, okay. But Sue Sylvester is still the best thing on Glee. Yes. I would say that no matter what you want to think about Glee, she is the reason to watch the show. The kids singing, secondary, just her little quips makes the show I still hear the odd song on the radio and I think of the Glee episode where they sang it. Well, we were huge Glee fans when it came out. Mm. And going back and watching it now, it's like, yep, I remember this episode. I know almost exactly what's going to happen. He's a pedophile. Yep. It's quite interesting in the Michael Jackson episode where Puck was singing one of the Michael Jackson songs and it was kind of like, oh, there's the correlation there. Mm. And in another episode, uh, Corey, what's his name? Monty. There, who died of a drug overdose, is singing Good Vibrations, the Marky Mark song. And he talks about being drug free and and put the crack pipe up and all that sort of stuff. And it's kind of like, well, there's the irony there as well. Mm. But it was interesting though, just watching Glee and then looking at 
their IMDBs and working out who's actually gone on to bigger and better things. The Flash. And yeah, a lot of the kind of not major characters have gone on, but most of the main cast haven't really done a lot more. But Darren Chris obviously has done a fair bit because he's done a couple of the American Horror Stories and he did voices on, he was Bumblebee in a couple of the Transformers cartoons. And he was also in the American Crime Story playing the guy that killed Gianni Versace. Yep. But yeah, other than that, not many of them have really gone on to anything Big? No, not that I can say. What I do really get a lot out of, though, is the fact that my eldest is about to start high school next year, and he is absolutely enamoured with Glee. So I think he's watching it because he wants to know what high school is going to be like for him. Yeah, it's just like that. And I've been thinking, yeah, it's yeah, sure, the show's about high school, but your high school's never going to be anything like what Glee is. But my kids are really digging it, too. Yeah, so that's it for TV for you? Well, kind of. There's something that we had watched. a really good segue, but that's okay. Well, there is something we watch together that I'll kind of throw into TV. All right. We've talked about the Tubi app, and after doing a little bit of digging, we actually found the real glow. The real gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Yes. I think they called it. So the real ladies of wrestling. I think it wrestling. was, they called it the original ladies of wrestling. Something like that. It's not called Glow. No. Even though I think that's, that's what the show is. Due to copyright, maybe. It's, it's a show. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand how it works because it's obviously someone had VHS tapes. Oh, you can Digitized tell. it yeah. and put them up. Because you can you see got the all, tracking lines and stuff. Tracking lines from VHS. But anyway, yeah, so it's just original episodes of Glow, which is the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which is the Glow Netflix show is based on. So the actual real episodes. From the 80s. And God, it was hard to watch. I've never actually seen Glow. I've seen little clips. I've never watched a whole episode. But going back now, what they do in the TV show, they're like the new Glow on Netflix, is very much what they do on Glow, the yeah. real thing. I mean, it's spot on. I remember the videos being in the video library for Glow. Yep. I never hired them because, like, ooh, ladies. And then I saw it was PG. It's like, oh, don't get naked. So I didn't hire it. Yeah, watching an episode, I was like, yeah, that is exactly how they portrayed it in the Netflix show. Yeah, it's all about the little vignettes and the poor attempts at comedy in between the matches and stuff. But it was so, and I don't know how it broadcast, but this is obviously a rip from VHS. So the sound was a bit out of whack. So it's essentially noise. Yep. So you can't hear the dialogue terribly well. You know, I'm sure, and it was probably one take, all this sort of stuff. Probably. It, it looks very cheap. It's nostalgic and it's a nostalgia piece. I'll probably watch more. Don't oh, get me I'm wrong. I'm sure I will too. But I think it's, there's it's, 43 episodes on oh, oh, maybe not that much. But um, it's fascinating to watch. And after watching the Netflix series, you sort of go back and just sort of go where they got bits and pieces from and characters from. Hmm. But so I'd love to see the real life, what was going on behind the scenes of this show. A like, lot of cocaine, I'd say. I, yeah, it'd be fascinating. <laughs> so it, it, it's good to see, but yeah, the sound was all out of whack. It's, it's worth seeing. It's free. Get the Tubi app if you can. You can have it on your phone. You can have it on the iPad. You can have it on your Xbox. We've got it on the Xbox. It's, it's probably on PlayStation, I assume, as well. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure. So yeah, check it out if you can and if it interests you. And it was good that we were ahead of the curve because we got onto Tubi a couple of months ago now, and yep. now it's had its official launch in Australia on 1st of September. Okay. I don't know if that means that when they say it's ad-supported, we will start getting ads, but I've watched a couple of things and haven't had any ads. Hmm. So, yeah. But, yeah, for those who don't know, if this is your first episode, Tubi is a it's a free streaming service like an Amazon Prime. It's more like an Amazon Prime than Netflix. It's got a lot of old stuff on it, and we're talking old and crap. Yeah. The, the video library, when you went there, and it was those videos that, those movies you didn't know existed. It's like, this didn't even make it to the cinemas. Those movies, that's where they go. That's where they are on Tubi. And a really good documentary, when I say really good, 
it was really bad, but it was good because it was bad. But there was a documentary that I watched with my son that was about the Southern Sasquatch. I can't even speak. The Southern Sasquatch, and it had a bunch of Florida rednecks talking about how their Sasquatch was different to the one that was running around the Pacific Northwest, and they were trying to determine if it was a different species altogether. Why? I don't know. Why did you watch it? But I sat there for an hour and then realized I still had 45 minutes to go. So it was an hour and 45, but we got an hour in and then gave up. Wow. But yeah, it was pretty exciting. Okay. All right. right, Speaking of documentaries, we'll kind of bridge the gap between TV and movies. All right. Another thing that we watched together. Yes. Because we were just flicking through Amazon Prime looking for something to watch. And that was the classic albums episode (laughs) revolving around the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album. That was recorded in the late 60s. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit of a Beach Boys fan. I thought I was. but I have a best of yeah. Beach Boys CD, and that makes me a fan, yeah? Kind of. I don't know Pet Sounds. I when, know of Pet Sounds. I know it's considered one of the greatest albums ever. But yeah, I couldn't. I know some of the songs off it, but I don't yep. know it as an album. Well, when I was younger. Too much younger than today. Yes. For me, the Beach Boys help. was all about the surf music. So my parents kind of listened to a little bit of the Beach Boys when I was little. So for me, it was always surfing Growing USA. up in Wales, you would have been on the coast. Well, growing up in Cornwall. Cornwall's where all the surf is in England, thank you very much. But no, it would have been when I came to Australia that we were listening to the Beach Boys. In the early 70s, we were listening to 60s Beach Boys. And yeah, I knew the hits. But it wasn't until I was an adult when I actually went back and listened to Pet Sounds. And I think the first time I probably had a proper listen to it, other than the singles, would have been when Frank Black released his version of Hold On To Your Ego. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, oh, it's a Beach Boys cover. And I was like, oh, how is this a Beach Boys cover? I've never heard this before. And then I went and sort of listened to the original. And they talk about it in the documentary about how this is kind of when Brian Wilson was in his semi-drug phase and it was the only song that he kind of went, well, I'm on LSD, this is how LSD makes me write a song, let's put it on the album. And the rest of the band were all like, well, I'm not really sure about that. But (laughs) I got a lot out of this doco purely for the fact that you listen to a song like God Only Knows and you think, yeah, that's a a nice little song. song. With like layered harmony and vocals, but just the way they break it down in the doco and they're talking about how the bass comes in here and this is when the drummer goes off. And when they sort of isolated those bits, I was like, yeah, that's actually It's not just a thrown together song. There's a lot of levels thought about this. And just the writing process as well, that Brian had sort of had this meeting once with this guy that wrote Jingles and it was kind of like a brief meeting. He was coming out of one studio and the Beach Boys were recording in another one and he sort of happened to know who this dude was and and sort of went, hi, I'm Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. If you ever want to work together, here's my card sort of thing. And just out of the blue, they rang each other and went, maybe we should write something. And just the fact that they took that sort of jingle sensibility and turned it into pop music. Mm. That's a really good doco because they – and the, uh, the good docos in this way that those people are still alive, so they can go and talk to everybody. Well, most of them. One of the Beach Boys has died. Yes. But not only Beach Boys, there was the session musicians, so the, the um, Phil Spector, yep. the producer extraordinaire with the gun, is um, known for his wall of sound. Yep. And he used the same session musicians for this. And that, oh, the sm- smashing... Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew. They were known as the Wrecking Crew, and it was just his kick-ass musicians in LA and yep. you know, they got the job done. And, yeah, they used that for 
Phil Spector wasn't involved, I don't think, but they used the wrecking crew as yep. the for, for pet sounds. And a lot of them are still alive, so they were talking to them too, and they were talking about what they did and what they were told to do by Brian and the genius of Brian, essentially. Yep. This this doco celebrates the genius of him and there's a lot there, but everyone else gets their time in the sun. And yeah, just I love that because I'm not musically minded at all. I, I can't play anything. I'm not I'm not skin flute. <laughs> Not bad on that, but um, yeah, I can't. I can't play any instruments. I'm. I probably tone deaf. I do. I do enjoy karaoke with my friends. They don't enjoy me having karaoke with them. Yeah, so I like listening to music, but yeah, I couldn't break down music. I don't understand in that way. So I do appreciate it when you see something like this get broken down because there's a great bit there where you got a guy who remastered Pet Sounds. So he's gone through all the tapes. I guess he's isolated all the different sounds. So he's in there in a booth. With Brian Wilson, he goes, oh, and you did this and you didn't bring this in. Yeah. And they're, they're literally up and down the levels and bringing, you can isolate certain parts of the song and you go, there's so much in this song. Yeah. Whereas just like, it's not just a simple little thing that's at the end of Love Actually. You know, there's exactly. so much more yeah. than that. I forget what it's called. The actual I, I think title, it's just called Classic Album. Yeah, it's so the hopefully series. the um, Amazon Prime ser- you know, search function is a little bit better. If you type Beach Boys or Pet Sounds, you should be able to, to find it. But yeah, it was really, really cool. Hmm. And the fact that when they did this back in the 60s, it was kind of like the Beach Boys were worried that the Beatles had come into America and they were changing the face of pop music. So they were like, well, we can't just be fun, surfy, sing about girls and cars and beaches anymore. We need to be a bit more serious. And this was their response to that. So, yeah, it kind of puts it all into perspective. So I, I dug it. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Mm. All right, should we talk about movies? Well, let's talk about movies and let's stick on that music theme. Okay. Because I saw a movie on the weekend. Mm. I saw Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Yes. I've talked about this at length a couple of episodes ago when I saw it. And I probably still stand by the fact that I think this has been my favourite movie so far this year. It's, well, I didn't see it at cinemas. I saw it at home, but it was still good. Yep. Just very similar in the fact that they just, you know, a songwriter and a musician just happen to come up across each other and work beautifully together. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. You forget how big Elton John is slash was. Yeah. Like I Googled at the time. It's like he's, I think he's top five selling performance. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Like up there with Beatles, Elvis, Madonna and, you know, a few others. It's like Michael Jackson maybe? Yeah, probably. Hmm. It's like that's that's huge. Yeah. For a f- short fat guy. From exactly. England. You yeah. know, he's, he's not the most good looking, but God does he have personality. And like with... God Only Knows, you know, it's a great song that you listen to and it's always been around. I've grown up, it's always been there. A lot of Alton's early hits, you know, were just always there. But you listen to them, they're all different. You don't listen to a song going, oh, that so, sounds so Elton John. It's yep. not that. They're all so different, but there's so much more to it and they're so good. And the lyrics just, it's not like a normal structure to a pop song. It's like, yeah, turn them out. No, they're a, all a lot of, of them aren't verse, chorus, verse, chorus sort of thing. Yeah. A lot of them tell the story. And, yeah, so just the fact that these two guys found each other. One guy writes great lyrics and the other guy does amazing music. And let's just churn out hit after hit after hit. He did all the drugs and survived. Yeah. And as a movie, it was a lot of fun because I was worried, not worried, but Dexter Fletcher finished Bohemian Rhapsody as a movie because Brian Singer was axed off it, sacked from it. And I was watching, we talked about it last year, I really liked Bohemian Rhapsody for what it was. The more I'm coming away from it, the more I don't. It's not that I don't have the love for it, but I really enjoyed seeing it in the cinemas with that sound system and seeing the concert at the end and yep. hearing the music. And that was great. 
the more I look back at Bohemian Rhapsody, though, I kind of feel that it's a telly movie. Yeah. I don't feel that it was a movie. It was the music that got us through. Yeah. Now, Dexter Fletcher finished it, and I was thinking, what was the best bit about that movie? Because it wasn't really well-directed as far as, like I said, it was like a telly movie. There was nothing special. Hmm. The recreation of Live Aid was amazing, but it was like, okay, but he had a template to work in. So what did Dexter Fletcher do? How much was Brian Singer? I don't know. And then I heard Dexter Fletcher was doing Rocket Man. I'm thinking, well, could be quite pedestrian, because I don't know if it's Dexter Fletcher was Spike from Press Game. <laughs> but this was great. This was directed really, really well. It was I, I really dug it. And a few people had seen it seen it before. That it, it's a, it wants to be a stage show. And you watch it and go, fuck yeah, it already is. Yeah, exactly. That could translate to a stage show right now. Yeah. It's done. It's not it's, a music movie, it's a musical. Yeah, it, it is ready for the stage. Like yep. it's all structured, it's all done. It's ready to go. You could put it on tomorrow. It, the, the, the blueprint is there for you to do it. And it works brilliantly. Because the thing with Bohemian Rhapsody, as we've talked about, was it was a little bit over the shop. I knew a little, enough about Queen to go, that doesn't feel right. That's a bit wrong there and that. And I know with biopics, you've only got two hours to tell a story. You've got to pick and choose your moments and say, all right, well, we can consolidate three characters into one here to save on time. We can... Yeah. Do this, all right, this didn't happen then, but we'll do it now because it works better narratively. I, I get that. But this, musically, I think was all over the shop. I don't know because it was convenient for the telling the story. Now we're going to use this Elton John song. I don't think it was that part of his career when it was released and things like that. Well, I've Some actually heard an interview with Elton afterwards and one of the questions they asked him is, is there anything that you weren't happy with? And he said that he was happy with the whole film, but he wanted to point out some of the historical inaccuracies. And the one thing that he really picked up on is when they played, is it the Troubadour they played yep. in, in America? Yep. Yeah. He was saying he didn't do Crocodile Rock in the Troubadour. Yeah. But they make that a really big thing in the movie. The moment. The yeah. way he sort of yeah. Yeah, became. Yeah, he was saying at that stage he hadn't released Crocodile Rock and he didn't play it in that concert that allegedly yep. blew everyone off the face of the earth. But, okay. yeah, so there is that little bit. And I think the difference between Elton and Queen is I don't know Elton's catalogue like I know no. the Queen catalogue. Yes. And that was one of the things I found jarring in the Queen movie, especially when they played Who Wants to Live Forever? And they brought that up in, like, 82 when he first found out he had AIDS, but that wasn't until 86 when it was on the Kind of Magic album and it was yeah. kind of like, well, what are you doing? So, yeah. But, so yeah. I, I really dug it. Like, I felt good. You watch I, this movie and it. it was fun. Yeah, I really, 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 really liked it. And Taron Egerton or whatever, he was fantastic. Yep. And it just it just worked. It was just a fun watch. But yeah, so I was going to segue segue from Glee into that. Ah, see, that would have worked better, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, I stomped on that, didn't I? All right, well, I've seen a couple of movies, but I haven't seen anything at the cinema. I'll quickly mention that we talked about Secret Life of Pets last month. Yeah. And I have now watched Secret Life of Pets, Secret Life of Pets think? 2, I should say. I didn't like it anywhere near as much as I liked the first one. It just didn't feel like a movie. It, no, it was a bit disjointed. Felt like three episodes of a TV series. Or yeah, something. and I think the fact that there was kind of three separate storylines happening that didn't really interact matter. with each other. Yeah, and they didn't None matter. Of it matter. Exactly. I did think it was kind of nice that they sort of swept Louis C.K. away because he did the voice of one of the dogs in the first one, and they've brought Patton Oswalt in to replace him. Oh, okay. After all the whole rigmarole mm. about Louis C.K. Yep. Google that if you don't know. But yeah, really, it. It wasn't memorable in any way. It was just forgettable. Very. My son thought it was better than the first one, so maybe okay. we're, we're just not, not for target us. audience. Yes. That kids' movie's not for me. <laughs> but another kids' movie that 
my son picked that I actually did get a lot out of, and that was the kid who would be king. Yes, I'm so interested in this. We'd seen the ads for this Excalibur without the tits. Yeah. I'd seen the ads for it earlier in the year, and we kind of wanted to see it at the cinemas, but we missed it. But now it's out at home release, so we watched it. I dug it. I thought it was enough of a nod to the ethereal legend to keep the story rolling nicely. Yeah, that we and know it. It was more modern. And it, quite ironically, as it was going on, I was remembering Excalibur thinking, yep, this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. And there was a lot of like glowing green lights as well in this, like there was an Excalibur. But there was one stage where the main character and his little band of friends, who are pretty much the Lancelot and Arthur characters. Uh, Lights on the round table. Yes. They are kind of walking across England to get to Cornwall, where Arthur was from. Where the pasties from. Oh, yes, pasties, thank you. And they're kind of walking across this marsh that's starting to get more wet and they start arguing each other and they have a fight and the sword gets broken and falls in a puddle. And then I turn around to my wife and go, do you reckon the Lady of the Lake's going to pop up? And then about two seconds later, the Lady of the Lake popped up and my son's like, how do you know? Have you seen this movie? And I'm like, no, I just know the Arthurian legends. But it was very similar to Excalibur without the back sack. <laughs> But yeah, it was good. It was well done. Like Patrick Stewart plays Merlin Mm. and he does it quite well. Well, he plays the older version of Merlin. There's another kid that plays Merlin when he's sort of in disguise, but then every now and then he turns back to his real form, which is Patrick Stewart. Yep. And it is typical Patrick Stewart. No, I, I am keen to see that. I yeah, I would, that I would If I was a 12-year-old kid, I want, I'd love that movie. It's it's quite long for a kid's movie and I think that just is the problem that all well, movies fall into these I'm days. I'm going to speak. Kids' films. They're the movies I've seen before, but I've, we've been trying to introduce movie night on a Saturday night with my kids. So we sit down in front of the tally and eat dinner in front of the tally and put on a film. Now, we've been working through a few. We watched Princess and the Frog. So, yeah, we, we saw Princess and the Frog. That was one because if we ask them what to watch, they don't want to see anything. So we've taken it just to go, we're going to put this movie on and you're going to – you can not watch if you don't want. Yeah, and that was okay. Like it was, you know, it was just a movie. And oh, we saw Dumbo a few months. A few yeah, we talked back. about Dumbo. And my daughter, who's three, she was fascinated with the mum being taken away. Now every single movie, if the mum's not in the scene, she seems. Like, Where's the mum? Where's the mum? It seems to be everyone. So it's quite funny. And then my wife, I was out one night. My wife goes, oh, I'm going to show them um, Willy Wonka. It's like the original. It's like, yeah, it's like the good one. It's like, you sure? The chicken does get his head chopped off in that, you know, in the tunnel boat scene. I don't remember that. Yes, it's one of the montage bits in the song. Okay. And it's like, you sure? I mean, I love the movie. It's like, because mm-hmm. I told you, because I think we, I told you we watched A Wrinkle in Time a few weeks yep. ago. And yeah, Jackson, my son was quite Hyper. anxious, anxious because <laughs> it, it was getting a bit a bit too intense for him. It's like, you really sure? I got a message from my wife later on that night saying, I think I may have broken her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she put herself to bed. When Violet got turned into a blueberry, she did not like that at all. And okay. then when Mike TV got shrunk, that was it. She was done. So I was like, yeah, probably not the best choice. Yeah, so so that was not a not not the hit with the kids as we we thought it might be. Well, I I sort of predicted that. Not even the musical numbers though, because it I, is. I don't know. I wasn't around to see it, so oh, I don't know how that all went. But last week it was we had pajama day. My son wanted pajama day, so it was a Sunday. It was the weather was crap, so I was like, oh fine, and put on some Scrooge like Ducktales movie from nineteen ninety, just in the background. We were doing science experiments and games and all that. It was all fine. 
And then I was looking through got my Foxtel app, Foxtel Go app running, and I thought, oh, Aquaman's on there. I'm just going to put it on the background. They fucking loved it. I can kind of understand that because we keep seeing the ads for Aquaman and my kids are like, oh, can we watch Aquaman? I've, I've not seen it, but my wife has. And I said to her, is it appropriate for the kids? And she was like, well, I don't think there's anything too bad in no, it. No, it's nothing that bad. But it's quite funny because there's a bit where she was like, where's the mum? Like, no issue. She missed the start, so she doesn't actually know that the mum has gone away. But she asked the question. It's like, it's actually a big plot point. Well done, Joe. But, yeah, so it's quite funny. It's like, have you seen How to Train Your Dragon 2? Same Where's plot. The yeah. Are you going to show a Batman versus Superman? No. Because isn't that the whole pivotal point in that, that where's the mum? Well, just Martha. But, yeah, no, so it was quite funny. But um, they dug it. And my son got to a point where he's like, I know karate because I've watched that. That's not karate, dude. And that's not what he's doing. <laughs> And then he comes home the next day from school. I was like, what happened? Do you tell Dad what happened today? It's like, I had to do yard duty. Why? Because I was doing karate in the toilets for the grade two. I was like, I hope it's not a euphemism. And he, <laughs> yes. So apparently because of me showing him Aquaman, he got into a fight. I don't know if it was a fight, but they were just comparing karates. Okay. And yeah. So. Mm. Following on from when you were playing Borderlands and showing him headshots. Yeah. What are you corrupting your son with? I don't know. But I watched Mad Max when I was young. Didn't affect me none. No, me either. Mm. All right. Well, I've got one more movie before you talk about your last cinema experience. And it is another one of those dodgy apps that pops up on Xbox every now and then. But there's a new one out there called Free Movies 2019. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely no idea how these get through because they are just streaming illegal movies through an app on the Xbox for a couple of months until they get banned and taken down. But I watched Men in Black International and I will say I'm glad I didn't pay to see Men in Black International because he's, he's not really as good as any of the other Men in Blacks. It has some funny moments but the effects in it aren't very well done and Chris Hemsworth is pretty much just playing Thor only instead of being in his Thor costume he is in a black suit. Okay. But bits of it are fun. There's a few laughs in it. There's a nice little nod to Thor at one stage where he's in a fight with an alien and he picks up a hammer and kind of looks at it as if it's kind of, oh, I know what to do with this yeah. kind of thing. And that's probably the biggest spoiler I will say about the movie. It, yeah. I did like the fact that Kamal Nanjiani voices one of the aliens and a lot of the lines that he has are really funny. Okay. But ultimately he's not a big enough part in the movie to really recommend it just based on that. Okay. It's it's fun. It's a big cast. It's like Chris Helmsworth, Liam Neeson. Tessa Thompson. Yep. Emma Thompson. That's the one. Tessa Thompson, Emma Thompson, no relation. I think one of the aliens was played by someone famous, but I couldn't remember who that was. Another one of the aliens is played by the actress that was Jenny Lind, the opera singer and the greatest showman, who I've seen turn up in a couple of other movies since then. But okay. yeah, I can't think what her real name is. Mm -hmm. But she was pretty good. That was a good character. But yeah, ultimately not quite as good as Men in Black 1 because that's still a classic and still holds up. Men in Black 2, not so much, but there is that one line in it that I always laugh at that I shouldn't where they meet the guy that talks about how his mum makes homemade pizzas and she's got Parkinson's and sometimes she shakes a bit too much and puts too much cheese on the pizza. And now I've got the giggles thinking about that bit. That is my favourite bit of the whole movie. And I saw it in the cinema with my wife when we hadn't been going out very long and I laughed out loud at that line and no one else in the whole cinema laughed. But anyway, Men in Black 3 probably some has balls. some moments as well, but again, not as good. So I don't know if they've just done too much with the franchise. I mean, I mean the right script, it's a great premise. You can do anything with it. Yeah. And they just seem to not be able to. Anyway. Mm. But anyway, 
Mm. I would recommend it if you're seeing it for free, but I wouldn't pay money for it. Fair anyway, that, that's my movies. Okay, I've, I've seen one more. I went to the cinema. Like my friends sort of sent me a message saying, do you want to go to the movies on, on Sunday? And I said, yeah, yeah, why not? I thought it was going to be, do you want to, do you want to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? These are my friends. I, that's the thought of the movie that I thought they would be inviting me to. But no, it's like, oh, we're going to see Midsummer. It's like, what's a Midsummer? Maybe they didn't have four hours to spare. Well, this is fucking feels like four hours, I'm telling you now. Okay. Now, you knew about this. I knew nothing about it. No. So, so I, I went I, in very cold. I knew that it was by the same director that did Hereditary. Yes. And I had heard some reviews that there was a couple of scenes that were pretty full on. Oh, yeah. They were very graphically violent. Yes. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of... But other than that, I knew probably... Well, I, I googled much. beforehand, going, "What is it?" And he said, "Oh, it's the horror movie du jour." I was like, "Okay, let's have a look." And then I said, "From the director of Hereditary, blah blah blah." I was like, "All right, I'll, I'm in. I'll go see it. I don't care. So I don't want to know any more before I go in." There's a really cool, disturbing opening bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the cold open, I suppose you call it. You know, it goes for five minutes or so, and it, it, it's it's really well. It's, just, it's horrific in in a way, but it's about as sort of sets up the tone for the heroine character of this. She's coming off a tragic situation in her life and she's got a boyfriend who wants to dump her, but because she's got this tragic thing, he sort of doesn't. His friends are all saying, just get rid of her. You've been saying you want to for ages kind of thing. You sort of get this scene play out and it's like, well, we'll be off to Sweden soon anyway. You know, just you want to be gone before then. Then this tragedy happens and then he goes, oh, I've invited her to come to Sweden with us. It's like, what are you talking about? So they end up going to Sweden because there's these three guys. That I don't know what they're studying, something to do with, you know, old cultures and things like that. So one of the guys from Sweden, then there's three other guys and we're going over. They have this one festival every 75 years. It's going to be Midsummer Festival. We're going to go. He's invited us to come along. She goes, yeah, I'll come too. So they all go over and they go to this, like, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Sweden. It's very tranquil. It's like, you know, bright and sunny because it's middle of summer. So yeah. It's sunny nearly all day. And sort of like it's just another world. And then they've got all, it's almost like Amish where they're doing all traditional sort of things. They're wearing their white, you know, look like Heidi. They all sort of dress like Heidi and things like that. There's some just horrific things that sort of happen. Now, people are loving this movie and and I'm watching going, is it a comedy? Because I'm sort of laughing here. That's meant to be freaky, yeah? Why am I laughing? And other people are genuinely freaked, and there was there are some scenes in there that are horrific, and I and they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. But I've watched enough horror movies where that's a gag in a horror comedy. You okay. know, it's sort of like okay, and it's it's done in a way, and maybe it's all done on purpose. Like some of these these horror things are just filmed in the same way you'd film other things. You know, it's just the mundane, but they've filmed this scene, which is very horrific, in a mundane way. It's like, is that a deliberate choice? Are you highlighting it instead of being dramatic with that? You're just letting it play out, and that's sort of, that's what you're doing. I don't know. And it just takes forever. It's like two and a half hours long. It's just fucking long. It's like, this could have been a punchy 90 minutes. It's very much the Wicker Man. If you know the Wicker Man, the original, it's very much that. So not the Nicolas Cage one where he no, punches a man, woman in a bear suit? Well. <laughs> someone does end up in a bear suit. Yeah. Yes, so I don't know if you're taking the piss. Is this legit or are you taking the piss? Because it's very much like the original Edward Woodward Wicker Man. Yep. But then someone's in a fucking bear suit. It's like, are you taking the fucking piss? I don't know. And that's where I, I can't tell. <coughs> There's a very... very creepy sex scene but it's meant to be freaky like you're watching and you're meant to freak out two douchebags in the cinema were pissing themselves laughing and it's like well you've lost them 
because it's it, it is freaky and weird, but I kind of found it funny too. <laughs> Whereas it's like, but you're meant to be, are you trying to freak this out? Like I've watched a lot of David Lynch now. You're not even close to that. So I know Hereditary was meant to be the fucking scariest movie last year. So I'm thinking, mm, you've obviously got the chops. Yeah. But I don't know what you're trying to do here. I have read some articles on it since. Like, I, I didn't hate it, don't get me wrong. I thought it was a bit long. But it's like, and it's not very subtle. It's like they show this thing and then they set up later and it's like, we get it. You didn't need to go that extra mile to really point it out because you've pretty much hit us over the head with it already. I don't understand. Are you genius or are you not? Yeah, and people are loving it. And maybe it is a, a feminist take would be very different. Like okay. I've had a few girls really love it and I'm looking at it from the maybe they're watching it from a female perspective through the eyes of the heroine of the show and her being empowered by this movie somehow. Maybe. I don't see it myself. I don't know. I can't recommend it because it was just so long. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, like I said, the thing I found, like the horrific things, I found kind of entertainingly and funny. Um, <laughs> but that, you know, there was some, I'm going to say middle-aged ladies in front of us. I'm fucking middle-aged. They were older than me. So, and they're not elderly, but I'm getting close. But they were older than me. And they, they seemed suitably horrified by the scenes. Okay. So I get it. It is horrific, but I've watched a lot of shit over the years. And I'm not talking real shit on, you know, the dark web. I'm just talking really shitty horror films. And it was nothing that horrific to me. Hmm. I, I am kind of keen to watch it. I'm, I'm interested to see what you think. I don't know. I've heard a lot of good things about Elizabeth Pugh. I haven't actually watched any of the movies she's been in as far as I'm aware. Well, she's Paige well, from the I, Res- Fighting I With My Family. still haven't seen Fighting With My Family. Which I started watching the other night and I was too tired to finish. So mm-hmm. I got like five minutes in going, no, 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 I need to give this a proper respect. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to watch it. But yeah, if it's that long, maybe I'll... I pace myself. I, I want you to see it because I want to hear what you think because okay. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Right. And they're bringing out a longer fucking version. Really? Yes. They're bringing out, I think on Netflix, they're bringing out the extended versions. Like, extended. Every scene went too fucking long as it was. What are you doing? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so there's more. Mm. Okay. Well, that's movies. Yes. Well, there's one other thing you wanted to talk about before we wrap up. One more thing. Yes. One. And I went to the theatre. A little bit of culture. Yes. If you call high school theatre culture. Of course you do. That was actually the segue I was going to go into with Glee. Okay. But anyway. So there was two segues you possibly would have well, gone into. Could have. But didn't. If you didn't stand on them. <laughs> Stomped on them. Yes. So, yes, a friend of mine is a teacher at a school. Mm. That's fair enough. Mm, that's normally where teachers are. Yeah, I'm just bragging now. No, and during my brief stint of unemployment, she was like, oh, because I have a graphics background. And she's like, oh, you can design a poster for our production. I was like, oh, really? Why? I was like, oh, they'll pay. I was like, oh. oh. So, all right. So, okay. So, I was like, what are you doing? The Rock of Ages? Okay, let's go. Cool. Give me. Let's do it. So, I did. And I undercharged severely for it because... I didn't know what to do, but all done now. It doesn't matter. It was fine. It was good to get some graphic to do something. Yeah. So it was fine. So I ended up getting a free ticket to go see it. So I went and saw it the other week. And um, I saw Rock of Ages on TV at some point in the last few years and wanted to love it more, but the cock rock was not my cock rock, if that makes any sense. There was a lot of stuff in there that wasn't my songs. Yep. You know? So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And it wasn't as punchy as I wanted it to be. I don't know, something about it. was a bit bloated, if any. So it was an okay movie. It was fine. Like, I, I haven't thought about it again since, except for that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll Rock of Ages. And I was like, oh, well, we'll get a free ticket. So I was like, oh, I'll go see it. I, I love seeing live theatre if I can. Yep. And sometimes, I, even if it's a bad show, what I'll take out of live production is the logistics and the direction. Yeah. It's like, how do you go from that transition to the scene to another? Yep. And how do you do this and using the space and all yeah, that? Yeah, the stage management of it all. I love that side of it. So even a shitty play, there's something I'll get out of it. So that's cool. So I was like, I'll go along. And I was all excited about it. My friend, she was doing the costuming for it. So I've been hearing a lot about this show through her telling me where it's all been going. So I sort of felt part of this show in a way because I've sort of been with it a long step along the way. So it was like, cool, cool, cool. And then I saw on the school website there was photos of the, of the cast and this and that to get everyone sort of pumped and it's like oh that's right they're kids <laughs> you know I think in a full production it's like no that's they're kids and it's not going to be a lot of money on this no like, oh. so I sort of went in very very hesitant in the end going oh my god what am I going to watch here yeah I remember seeing school productions when I was in school but they were my peers and it was impressive at the time but you know now I've seen a lot more theatre since and it's like going back Needless to say, I was really impressed. Like, obviously, the voices weren't as great as they could be and all these sort of things, but it was fun. Like, I really enjoyed it, and I think I enjoyed it more than the movie because it didn't have the bloat of the movie. It was pretty much song, little bit of, you know, exposition to get to the next song. Like, it was punch, 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 and you're in there really quick. It felt like it went really quick versus the movie yeah and it, it worked for me okay. like, it was kind of cool and it was great to see and all that sort of stuff and probably the best fit for me and what i like out of this sort of stuff was luckily enough i was met i could go like all the kids had to go home with their parents or whatever i mean some of the students were 18 and i think one one of the stars was turning 18 at midnight that night so they were all off having pre-drinks to go hit the, <laughs> the um eastern suburbs nightclubs or something that night or whatever yep. but but I managed to go back because it was the final night of the performance. So I went to the pub next door. Yep. So I went there with the director and my friend and, you know, a few of the staging people. So all the teachers are involved. Okay. So I got to hear them sort of decompress after the show. <laughs> Talk about what worked, what didn't. Hear about the kids that I have no idea who they are, but just like bitching and moaning about some and impressed with others and all this. And I was like, that's what I loved about it. The logistics of it all. Yep. So that was really cool. So. For someone who did bugger all with this show, I felt like I was part of it and all through it too. <laughs> but you got your name in the program. I'm in the program twice. Yeah. Credited and thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Yes. So that was cool. Hmm. Hold on. It'll probably be next year when your son's in his first primary school production. Yeah, apparently I think grade ones and twos do something. Yeah. If they're anything like my school with my kids, they do it every second year. Mm. So we've had to put up with my eldest being in three different ones so far and the youngest being in two. Normally when they're young, they just sort of dance a little bit, but as they get older, they actually do have speaking or singing roles. Mm-hmm. So it is something to look forward to. I don't know if I will, though. The highlight, I would say, is when my eldest was in grade four, I think it was, they did a kind of production that was Where's Wally? And Where's Wally went around the world and there was other people that were looking for Where's Wally? And they sang songs that were kind of based on countries and stuff. One Night in Bangkok? No, they didn't necessarily oh. do One Night in Bangkok. They did Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA. Mm-hmm. They did Africa by Toto. I come from a land down under. They did, I think, yeah. But for some reason, they did Taylor Swift's Love Story, which has nothing to do with anything. Okay. And the character that was in it was a little princess girl. And she was singing to a frog, but the frog had actually broken his arm the week before. So he was in a frog costume with his arm in a sling in plaster. And that image of the frog, 
in his little costume with his broken arm, singing Taylor Swift to this little girl in an ill-fitting pink sort of princess dress. Was probably sing Turning Japanese by the Vapors? No, that would be very inappropriate. Okay. Uh, They did When My Baby Smiles at Me, I Go to Rio. Fair enough. Mm. And that was my little one's class. I went to my nephew's. That would have been grade one, I reckon. Grade one or two. And I saw their school production. And that was one where they used the whole school in the one production. Yeah, so, this is this is how this was yeah. as well. And um, he split his tights <laughs> early on. So essentially, and he kept playing with them, so kept ripping him more and more. So through nerves, I think. So by the end, he's just out there and he's jumped. <laughs> and there was another kid oh, who just threw up. <laughs> he was just sitting there and he just threw up. Didn't know what to do, so he sit there in his own vomit until one of the teachers sort of came out and said, "Come with me." Yeah. So I, I, I think, look forward to that. I think what normally happens with school productions is they have the kids that are good enough to warrant having a, a starring role and a speaking role, and then the other kids just do ensembles per class. Mm. So that's normally what happens. But yeah, one of these productions, they had a group of kids that were, I think, grade fives or sixes. They got to do all the speaking, and then each class sang a song. But they kind of had the theme of these kids going through but yeah and there's always that sort of one special kid that doesn't quite get it and the teacher has to come out and hold their hand while they're dancing or yeah it's fun for the wrong reasons i think primary school productions oh you're gonna get some sort of enjoyment out of it yeah my latest one that we went to which was last year when my oldest was in grade five one of his best friends is irish and they his parents were sitting in front of us and they were doing Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. But at one stage, they broke into Riverdance. And the Irish parents in front of us were sitting there basically like, what the fuck is this? And what has this got to do with Alibaba and the 40 Thieves? And just watching their reaction was probably enough to make us enjoy the, the show itself. But yeah. Well, it's funny because hearing the director talk afterwards, she was saying something about, you know, how good theatre is to be part of. When yep. you're in, being high school, you were auditioning and it's not everybody. It's not everyone gets a prize kind of thing. Yep. You know, there's people helping out and there's people bringing sets on and off so they're not a main main player. And it's like one of the parents they heard was saying, I was so proud of her for what she did. It's like she had one role, she had to wheel out a fucking toilet and stand next to her for a song <laughs> and wheel it out again. That's it, but her parents were so fucking proud of, of her course, for that. And yes. it's like, fuck yes. And it's like, because oh. I never did drama at school. We didn't really have it. We did school production in high school, but because we didn't have a compulsory subject of drama, I never had to do it, never got the bug. Since then, I've done professional wrestling, I've done comedy festival shows, I've done fringe festival shows. I would have loved it back then, if prompted. Yeah. Like, it wasn't in me to do. So they did school productions, but I didn't even consider doing auditions for it. Like, it was not a thing in my wheelhouse then. But maybe if we had drama from prep, uh, from prior year seven or something, I might have been inclined. Mm. But probably not still, but... I do wish I had, going back, it's like, oh, I wish I had that element just to be part of the shows because with wrestling and that, you get it every week and that's what the beauty of wrestling when I was doing it regularly is it's a new show every week. Yeah. So it's not the same where I, it could be so stale. I don't know how people do six-month runs on a show. It's the same thing every day. I don't, I don't know. To me, that just that sounds tedious or at yep. least with the wrestling shows, next show. Doesn't matter. New show, new show. Well, a prime example of that is our friend through wrestling Crackerjack, who was in theatre before he got into wrestling. And we went and watched a couple of productions that he was in. And you could tell by the end of the runs that he was doing, some of them he just didn't care anymore. And it was kind of like, well, I'm 
in the background of this scene, but I'm going to play it up so people remember me. Mm-hmm. His version of Clockwork Orange that we saw at Chapel on Chapel, at, Chapel, uh, Chapel quite a long time ago. Very long time ago. Yeah. There was a few interesting takes in that too. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, so that's some theatre, which was mm. good. So, yeah, that's enough for me and I think enough for us. Yes. We're getting summer, well, midsummer sort of like length going on here. We are. It's dragging out a lot longer than it needs to. So we will wrap it up there. As usual, if you have any feedback for us, if you want to tell us your take on Midsummer, if you want to tell us we're wrong about Rocketman and Bohemian Rhapsody was a better film, jump on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on Twitter as the MA Podcast. And you can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. And until a couple of weeks away when we are going to do an interesting take for our next mini, mm-hmm. but I won't spoil that. I'll let you listen when it happens. We will see you then. And until then, thank you very much, Mitch. Uh-huh. All right. Bye-bye. love you but long as there are stars above you you never need to doubt it I'll make you so sure about it God only knows what I'd be without you if you should ever leave me your life would still go on believe me Show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you I'd be